Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll talk about how the nicest people can sometimes get their horses into the worst trouble ever. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about a topic that is a little uncomfortable to talk about that uh, has some less than ideal happy endings, but I think is important to cover. And the topic is when nice people, good people, do things that ultimately get their horse in trouble, maybe just for a little while or in the worst case scenario where it really builds up to be almost irrevocable. And for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to assume that the people that I'm talking about are truly nice people. They're good people. They're not secretly awful people who pretend to be nice. Uh, They really are nice people. But there are certain things with horses that you can do that can build up in such a way that it can can create really long-term damage. The first thing that some nice people can do is simply be unaware and ignorant. And by that, I mean, all of us have things that we could learn better, that we could know more about, that we maybe have gaps, right, sort of in our education with horses, or we may encounter or work with a horse that presents us with something new that we've never dealt with before. This is a little different. This I'm talking about maybe someone who almost is committed to not knowing. They, uh, maybe they have a horse, they love their horse. And they really feel like they understand everything that the horse needs, but the horse is giving them very clear signals that it needs something else. So for example, maybe this is just kind of something I'm making up off the top of my head here, but let's say that uh, you own a horse and you deeply believe in, in astrology. That's something that you really believe in. That's part of your philosophy of life. And you apply that philosophy to your horse. And you look at that the horse is maybe, let's say a Pisces, and that all of the myriad behavior or things that you've noticed about your horse that might need some help or might be things that you'd like to discourage, you simply attribute that to the horse being a Pisces. And that you are, let's say, I'm making this up, let's say you're a Scorpio, and so you have your whole deal. And you basically continue to work with your horse in that framework. Anything that is coming up again that maybe not might not be as desirable in that horse or might not be as good for that horse, let's say the horse is in the habit of setting back or the horse is in the habit of um, pulling hard at the reins when you're riding it, you again, you attribute it to this sort of astrological part of your horse's nature. Or you say that you are maybe limited in how you can approach this or help your horse with this again because you're a Scorpio or whatever. People who have that, again, you could be a totally nice person. And I know people who are really nice, who are super into astrology. But if you continue with that to the point where you are almost willfully ignoring information or not giving your horse what they truly need on a practical basis, you can really set yourself yourself and your horse up for longer term trouble. It's just kind of the nature of how these things go. A second thing that people can do is they can get very almost... I would say committed to their own movie is how I like to put it. So most of us, we go through life and uh, hopefully, and we see ourselves as the hero kind of of our life, right? We're the, we're, we're the protagonist, you know, we're on, you know, a learning journey or, you know, we hit some obstacles and we think that we will overcome them. And we have in mind, hopefully a, a good outcome at the end of our story. 
some people get really, really committed to a movie that the horse is really not in. The horse is in its own life. It's it's kind of going along, doing what it needs to do as a, a creature of nature. And we put it into our movie and it plays a certain role in our mind. And uh, one example, this might be someone whose movie involves that she is someone who's really natural and outdoorsy and doesn't like to do things like ride in circles or do things that are too technical because that kind of holds her back. It's kind of too conformist. And she likes to be sort of freewheeling, a free spirit. And she has a horse who's, let's say, is a trail horse. And she sort of puts that into that horse's training program as well. Her horse doesn't like circles either. Her horse is a nonconformist like her. This is all part of the movie, right? And as they go along together, everything that maybe that horse needs that might be more sort of practical, incremental progression type training, she simply rejects out of hand because it doesn't track with the movie of these two free spirits, Thelma and Louise out on adventures on the trail, nothing holding them back. That's kind of the movie. And again, this person is not intentionally trying to harm her horse or in any way create a scenario where the horse could get in trouble. But that horse is almost guaranteed to get in trouble because her movie is not really compatible with the reality of the situation. Maybe the horse is setting back or is spooking or is having genuine problems with how it carries itself physically that, again, needs your classic equitation approach. It doesn't mean that the horse has to be in a rigid training program, but just doing basic incremental things to help that horse build confidence in its own biomechanics, help it with braces. These are things that require an organized, steady approach and have nothing to do with a movie about two free spirits. So if that were to build up over time, the horse would become more and more troubled and would not be getting what it needs. And then the movie would start to change, right? That maybe, you know, Thelma and Louise are are running into trouble because they need even more freedom from restrictive training methods that involve circles or whatever, whatever the script writer is at that point doing. So you could see where that would slowly and steadily build up the wrong way. The third way that I see really nice people getting into trouble with their horses or getting their horses in trouble is by being extremely emotional. And this is actually related to the first two. Again, maybe kind of having this lack of knowledge that becomes almost willful and having a movie that isn't really suiting the horse and then getting very emotional and very committed to those first two things. So you, at that point, become offended if somebody suggests something that might be a little different for your horse. You totally close off hearing anything that might sort of burst your bubble, maybe make your movie not seem so good, or might make you feel like, hey, maybe astrology isn't the right thing, but I'm really committed to astrology, so I don't even want to hear anything about astrology is not the right thing to do with my horse. That emotionality is a kind of a key sign that you are starting to kind of get into this category of a nice person who could create a lot of trouble for their horse. And so anytime you're feeling really like emotional, Let's say someone comes up and suggests something in a courteous way to you about your horse. Maybe they suggest, hey, your horse seems like maybe it could use a little more help in how it's leading. It seems like maybe it's not quite as soft in the halter as it could be. And you immediately get super hot. You feel mad or you might feel hurt. You might actually feel like I might even get tears in my eyes at this moment. When you have that kind of extreme reaction really to someone who's truly being polite with you. Again, I'm not talking about someone who's coming up being arrogant or hostile. You really want to examine that. 
I have a friend who's a therapist and she has a great saying. She says, if it's hysterical, it's historical. And what she means by that is if you have a really strong emotional response to something that doesn't really match what's going on, it usually is rooted in your history. It has something to do with the way that you think about the world or the way that you think you are being treated that has nothing to do with the present moment. Might have a lot to do with how you were treated when you were seven years old and you've kind of carried that into your framework as an adult. So that's something to be aware of too. If you find yourself getting really highly emotional when someone suggests something pretty straightforward or if you read an article or see a video about something, again, that isn't offensive on the side of it, just on the face of it, that's really something to look at. Another example of this would be if you become extremely emotional if anything goes wrong with your horse. This is a little different from an earlier podcast where I talk about the sensation of believing that you suck and your horse hates you every time something goes wrong. This is different. With this kind of emotional response, you're blaming the horse or you are so upset that your horse could ever do anything that you don't like or that you don't understand and you become sort of completely overwhelmed with these emotions. If you talk to somebody about your horse in that moment, you can't even really quite be coherent. You're just so upset. You're just so upset. And again, not so much blaming yourself as just in general, being engulfed by this sense of emotionalism that is not really in any way useful or constructive. So that's another element of the emotion. Another way I see nice people sometimes get their horses in trouble to a more serious degree is when they listen to everybody's advice. So this is a little different than the earlier example I used of the person who really gets upset if anyone maybe makes a suggestion that's outside of their current movie or their current set of beliefs about, you know, astrology or whatever their life philosophy is. This is more the case where you, you'll listen to everyone. You'll, you know, your farrier says that the horse needs more discipline. Your best friend at the barn says that the horse needs to be treat trained. The veterinarian says something about maybe the horse needs to be tested for EPM. The cowboy trainer says the horse needs to just be kind of ridden down and you watch videos and you maybe look at all kinds of horsemanship sites or equitation sites or discipline sites, or you watch RFD TV and you look at all of the different clinicians there and you just listen to anybody and you have no discernment and you, in a sense, take no responsibility for any discernment. It's like, oh, well, I read this, I'm going to try it. And that kind of inconsistency. And again, it's really a lack of stewardship and discipline on your part really can create a a lot of trouble for a horse, is at the end of the day, you are responsible for finding the right knowledge. That is something that we're all responsible for in life, but especially when you're talking about the stewardship of a large animal who is dependent on you to make the better decisions. Now, what all of these examples have in common is that, again, they tend to be things that truly nice people do, but, and they don't seem particularly harmful maybe in the moment to those people, but overall it can, each of these, these elements can create a huge amount of trouble in your horse because they are so consistently building up to the wrong thing. And because again, the person is again, nice person, not really taking responsibility or full stewardship. They're kind of allowing themselves to constantly be in a fog a fog of, you know, the Thelma and Louise movie or the life philosophy that works for you, but has nothing to do with horses or 
being really upset and emotional if anybody offers you different advice or not being able to discern between any advice whatsoever. And of course, ultimately, maybe slowly, you begin to blame your horse instead of simply looking at what the horse's behavior is telling you as something neutral, something that you need to maybe take account of in a neutral way yourself so that you can find the right answer for your horse. These things that I have seen come together in small ways with individual horses over the years, but there was one horse that I saw where a combination of nice people making these different mistakes at the end of the day truly ruined the horse. And it's probably one of the saddest stories that I've ever really observed because again, everybody involved was a nice person. This particular horse was a little red mare, a thoroughbred, not particularly attractive. I mean, not an ugly mare, but certainly not a mare that if you looked at her, you would say, oh, this is, this is the horse who's going to be a champion racehorse. She was kind of short. She had a Roman nose. She had kind of big ears. Uh, her body was put together kind of funny. And uh, still though, somebody, an older gentleman decided that he wanted to fulfill his fantasy of owning a racehorse. And through some bizarre series of events, he picked her. She was inexpensive. He thought that she had some good bloodlines, which actually wasn't true if you knew anything about bloodlines, but he, he thought she did. And so he bought her for not very much money and he decided to race her. And he raced her through a trainer who was not necessarily a bad trainer, but who certainly was not maybe the type of trainer to spend a lot of time developing a horse who didn't like racing or trying to work with an owner who didn't have a lot of money. And so predictably, this little mare did pretty badly at the track and she was nervous too. She had trouble in the starting gate. She just overall wasn't a good racehorse. So the older gentleman who owned her decided that the second fantasy he had was to maybe breed a nice racehorse and perhaps he could breed this mare. And he decided to retire from his day job and kind of go into breeding full time. Well, as you can ex sort of imagine, that did not turn out too well. He ended up losing his money. He did not plan well. He did not have the knowledge to make the right kind of decisions. And the mayor ended up being abandoned at a boarding barn. He could no longer pay his bills and he was going bankrupt. So the boarding barn called around to different charities and different nonprofit organizations and tried to find the mayor a home and a charity took her in. And at this point, she had been abandoned for over a year and a half. I mean, the boarding barn had been taking care of her, but she'd had no true owner. And she had this huge dreadlock mane. She looked like a Pasifino. And she was, again, very nervous and withdrawn. And she came to the charity and they gave her some time off. They turned her out. They trimmed her mane. They restarted her under saddle. And she was nervous, but very sweet underneath it all. And eventually she started to smooth out and, and ride pretty well, kind of walk track canter. Once again, not a particularly um, elegantly mare in terms of confirmation or not again, super athletic, not a performance horse, but a horse that could be a nice little trail companion or a riding horse for somebody. And eventually a nice woman came along, truly nice woman, impeccable references, and she fell in love with the little mare and decided to adopt her. And she took the mare and all seemed to be going well. And then about a year later, the charity received a call that the horse wasn't working out. And the woman was very upset. And she felt that maybe 
the charity had not been forthcoming about some problems that the mayor was having. The mayor was setting back. The mayor wouldn't trailer load anymore. And on the phone, you could tell this woman was very, very upset and emotional. She was almost, I wouldn't say incoherent, that's a little harsh, but she was definitely not able to express herself in a way that was logical or that, again, the things that she was saying didn't quite make sense based on how the horse had been. So the charity took the horse back and the horse came back pretty, pretty wrecked. As it turned out, there had been a trailer accident that had happened with the nice lady and the horse. And the horse had had this huge crisis in confidence after that and had become very nervous about being tied or in any way being confined. And the woman got upset with the horse and felt like it was personal and she would berate the horse and she would punish it, not again, beating the horse to death or anything like that, but she would kind of come at that horse with a lot of hostility and more of a reprimand tone. And that was really upsetting to the horse. The woman also really wanted a horse that liked to run, that liked to kind of gallop out across the fields. And um, her maybe riding style wasn't necessarily compatible with that goal, but she got upset too because the little mare didn't like to really run. Remember, she was a terrible racehorse. And so this kind of movie about having this horse that you could run and gallop on and who was really easy and fun, that movie wasn't working out. And in the course of that reaction that she was having to that, she really kind of set that mare up for a lot of trouble. And the mare came back with a fair amount of trouble. And the charity kind of worked on trying to get her better. And she did. She improved quite a lot over time, still was a little bit nervous, but seemed to be doing better. And another person stepped forward and wanted to adopt her. Again, super nice, super nice people, uh, people who were uh, devout, who were part of their community church, uh, people who had spent a lot of time maybe in animal welfare, who loved animals, who owned a ranch, everything that you could ask for. But unfortunately, uh, their ranch was having some renovations, so they decided to board the little mare. And they boarded her at a barn where everybody gave them a lot of different advice. One trainer told the people that, hey, all thoroughbreds are crazy, and you're really going to want to make sure that you ride them with a really tight rein and a really harsh bit. Another person told them that because the horse was still maybe a little nervous about tying and maybe being held for the farrier, that they needed to tie that mare up real tight so she could just get over it. And uh, someone else said that, hey, the horse is probably just a bad horse. Another person said that maybe that horse had some kind of uh, illness like EPM. And other people gave her better advice. Uh, they recommended that they do a lot of groundwork with her or maybe have someone restart the horse with the farrier going really slow or maybe just doing things uh, a little bit less rushed in terms of when the farrier came. Um, all kinds of good advice was offered as well. And they took all of it the same with about the same response. They would try everything once or twice. And as you can imagine, <laughs> the horse got worse because the last thing this little mare needed was a lot of inconsistency and she certainly didn't need, no horse needs that kind of rougher treatment. So they were trying some of the rougher things as well as some of the better things. And then predictably that owner got very upset. She got very emotionally upset because the horse was getting worse. She was having lots of problems. And eventually she called the charity back and was super, again, really upset, not knowing what to do. And the charity gave her some guidelines and, you know, lots of people tried to kind of 
kind of help. They recommended a trainer that had a really good background in restarting racehorses who was known to be gentle and whatnot. But at that point, it didn't matter, see, because any of the good advice was treated just the same as the bad advice. So eventually, the charity decided to take the horse back again per the woman's request. They felt like it was the right thing to do. And the mare came back the second time even more damaged than she had the first time. And at this point, it's kind of like three strikes, you're out. You know, she had the very difficult experience with her with her race owner, the older gentleman. She was abandoned at a boarding barn. She then was adopted by the first nice person. And there was that kind of crisis there with, with the trailer loading, the emotionality, the getting upset, the movie. Coming back, kind of getting back to neutral, restarting the horse. Another nice person, great references, following all the wrong advice. And at this point, it was too much inconsistency. And the little mare was just um, a shadow of her former self. And, and she had become very, very troubled, very erratic, very uncertain about everything. The charity at that point decided to raise funds and hire the original trainer that they had recommended to the second home. And this was a wonderful trainer, extremely humane, very well-versed in foundation horsemanship, someone that I actually know personally who is just a really good hand with a horse and, and very gentle and very, very correct. And the charity paid for that trainer to work with the horse for six months and also paid for the horse to go to clinics with a, with a very top clinician, one of the best, I think, ever. And it still didn't work out. You know, the horse, the horse rode well at times for the trainer, but it had a lot of trouble. The poor little mare had a lot of trouble in clinics. She would bolt. Uh, she would be extremely agitated. And over the course of time, she'd also developed from kind of her disastrous racing days, a little bit of an unsoundness that came and went. And at that point, the charity decided to retire her, to find her a home where she could simply live out her days. She was only eight years old when that happened. And she did find a really good home. But she was essentially ruined for riding for any kind of true job. And every single person that I've related in this story was a nice person. The last thing that they meant to do was do harm. But they did. They did do harm. And it's very important to keep in mind the responsibility, again, that we have to be good stewards and to really be aware when maybe we're putting our emotions first over the horse's well-being. I think everyone has heard of the concept of the compound effect, that very small things done consistently over time make a difference. In the case of finance, if you start saving a little bit of money, every day or every month when you're in your 20s, by the time you're ready to retire, you'll have a substantial amount of money. It's the compound effect. You invest that money, it compounds interest, it literally grows above and beyond the sum of its part. And the same is true for negative things, things that don't seem that important or little decisions that you make every day, like deciding to have two cookies every day, that eventually snowballs and becomes more in terms of weight and health issues than the weight of one little cookie or two cookies a day. It compounds, it snowballs. Well, the same is true for these kind of, of behaviors with horses. If we don't see them for what they are, if we don't put our emotions aside, if we don't take responsibility for learning things, for really understanding what's happening. Nice people can 
truly ruin horses. Now, in the case of the little mare, there was one additional nice person who was also involved with what happened to her, and that person was me. I was running the charity at the time that was helping place her into the two homes that turned out to be not so good homes for her. And the contribution I made to this was simply assuming that because the people were nice and had good references and had horse experience, that they were automatically a nice match for this little mare. And that turned out to be, I'm afraid, a little bit of an example of me having my own movie that wasn't quite realistic. When the mayor came back to us the second time, I was the one who made the decision to raise funds and hire a really good trainer for the mayor to try to give her the absolute best chance moving forward. And no one was sadder than I was when that didn't quite work out. At the same time, I did learn a lot, and I came to understand that sometimes there are many things with horses that we couldn't control and with what people say when they're going to adopt horses, that maybe sometimes I had a little bit too much of a tendency to be optimistic myself, to maybe believe in other people's movies, that if I had paused and maybe taken a little more time, I would have realized that the mayor needed more time or that the people good people, nice people, maybe didn't quite have the patience and the discipline to help her. So I hope you have understood why I shared the story of the little mare. And I hope that if you're a nice person, that you'll remember this episode and pay attention to whatever movie you are in. And as always, I thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day.